0: Hey, hey, this is part two of our Dr. Scotty Butcher interview. You're listening to the Duck Legs Podcast. This is Jared Aguilar. I'm a student physical therapist here in Austin, Texas. I've got two other co-hosts on this podcast, Dimer Jones and Tyler Adams. They're also physical therapy students. And welcome. Welcome back if you're listening to part one and welcome for the first time if you're starting with part two i don't know why you would do that but i'm not judging i'm just happy you chose to listen to this podcast for whatever reason i don't know what life choices led you down this road for that i'm sorry you probably have better things to do than have three physical therapy students in your ear but no 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 you made the right choice you you made the right choice that's okay because we got dr scotty butcher on and he is a badass He is, not only is he a physical therapist, he is a researcher, he is a clinical exercise physiologist, and he's a Canadian, and he's a Star Wars nerd. So I don't really know what else you want from us other than that. Please let us know. But anyway, all jokes aside, hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a great week. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We're about to get into some Star Wars trivia. As soon as this intro stops, I am gonna challenge Dr. Scotty on all things Star Wars. And yeah, if you want to know more about Dr. Scotty, follow and subscribe to Strength Rebels on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. They are providing some great content, really uh, redefining what rehab and strength training and and common fitness practice means to the public. And so I think if you're a fan of this show, you're definitely going to be a fan of what Dr. Scotty is uh, putting out there. So on that note, enjoy. Appreciate you. We have some business to attend to, Dr. Scotty. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Tatooine.
1: <laughs> this was Luke's home planet, right? Well, Wikipedia. This, this was Anakin's and Luke's home planet. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right, all right, Mr. Smarty Pants. Let's hit you with some Tatooine trivia. <laughs> Let's see. What can we ask him about Tatooine? Hmm. What do you think? What do you think, Tyler? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't
2: know anything about Please it. don't ask me anything Star Wars. Okay,
0: my first, oh, I, first
2: just, I just lost some a lot of
1: respect for you, Demir.
2: Yeah, oh. you, you know And you should, because my first Star Wars movie was the last one, and I had no idea what was going on. The Force Awakens. Wow. Yeah, yeah, was my first one. I watched like the and through, and I watched the ones that came out like early 2000s, But I mean, I was a kid essentially. I mean, not really. Mm-hmm. I really didn't know what was going on. Well, Sorry. I I feel really bad for you if your first exposure to Star Wars were the uh, prequels. That's that's a problem. And you know what? I'm you know I'm meaning to go back, but when you have loads and loads of schoolwork, it's kind of tough to figure out which one, you know, priorities, man. You, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> Star Wars above life. I agree. I, agree. You should,
3: I should make a shirt. Is that your question, there, Jared? Yeah. So okay, so
0: name a native species on the Tatooine planet, sir well, humans, Panthers
1: uh, <laughs> <and laughs> being another, um, uh, let's see. Womp rats. Uh, what else do we got here? Um, Oh, I'm blanking. There's uh, oh. this is terrible. There's those, there's those, uh, um, Oh shit. There you go. This yeah. is bad, man. Okay. <laughs> now you caught me. You caught me. I named three, but there's, there's, there's uh there's more, but the yeah.
0: infamous, the infamous Tusken Raider. Yeah, fuck that's that's the one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys don't mind the f-bombs but oh, anyway. no, no, more uh, of bring more of them the Okay, well fuck that then. Um, yeah. yeah, the <laughs> Tuscan Raiders. Uh, anyway, I could picture the picture of the one guy, you know, you know in the uh, you know what they did in the one scene where the guy's got his uh, his club over his head, right? Um, they had to reverse it cuz they didn't get enough of a uh, enough of a picture. So if you watch that one in the in a new hope and you, you can see him raising his his club and his uh, thing over his head and then they reverse the the um the recording they reverse the screen so it actually goes backwards so it, he actually plays it they play it forward then backwards just to get a little bit more of the uh screen time for that oh wow you, you're gonna have to watch it and see what i mean
3: yeah okay? i'm gonna have to go check that out Right after
1: exams and shit, right?
3: Exactly. Or or before? Yeah, just yeah. like while yeah. I'm studying. I'm procrastinating studying right now. I need to. Yeah, Yeah,
0: procrastinate. You know, I've been I've been so into. Uh, well, I can't say so into because I butchered the uh, Tatooine reference earlier. But I've been trying to catch up on a lot of Star Wars trivia and stuff in pre in preparation for December. Right when they dropped the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I can imagine that Doctor Scotty's a little bit excited about that. Probably. Oh, um, just a little. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been going through a lot of like Anakin's dark side moments, like yeah. all the things he's done in that, in that turn when uh, Palpatine was, was uh, the dark Axe, whatever they call him. And one was uh, he like destroyed a bunch of Tuscan Raiders, I think. Yep. Yeah.
1: After they killed his, uh, his, his mom or his yeah, That was yeah, his mom. Yeah. Yeah. His mom. Yeah, he he went ape shit on those guys. Like he, uh, um, I mean, that was that was the turning point for him, in my opinion.
0: What about when he killed the little paddle well, Yeah, I mean he
1: was gone by then. Oh, he's, yeah. he was already gone. Oh, he was already gone. Oh, yeah, well, well okay. beyond gone by then. Yeah.
3: Wow. Yeah, I don't think your first move of going over is like killing a bunch of <laughs> Yeah. <people>. I hope <laughs> by no. that point you've clearly you've yeah. you made your move. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, the thing
1: about it too, if you want to get into you know get into detail, which I can talk for hours, so so don't don't go don't let me go too far. <laughs> but um, you know, the thing about that is is that was the thing that set him off, right? Because uh, um, you know, he he struggled. So much with the loss of his mom, that when it came time for him to have the premonitions of his the love of his life, Padme, dying, and so he's having all these premonitions, and you know that the loss of his mom hurt him so bad that he was willing to do whatever it took so that she didn't die as well because she he he couldn't handle the loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I love those story. That's such a good story when like you can understand the bad like why the bad guy's a bad guy yeah he, he's not just a bad guy because he's a complete asshole you're like well he kind of went through some shit yeah well like,
1: oh, he was whiny though like like he the, was whiny. <laughs> oh my god, he was whiny. the first first two so uh um Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones oh my god was he a whiny yeah. kid like oh it was it was terrible to watch but uh but but then the shift <laughs> you know to see the shift towards towards him embracing the dark side as a chance to save Padme, really is is what he did, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and and just to watch that happen I thought was really cool, but you gotta you gotta ignore the whiny shit.
0: <laughs> so you don't you don't share his disgust of sand?
1: No, no, no. I no, I like sand. Okay. Yeah. I'd live on Tatooine. I'd be fine.
3: All right. All right. Let's go let I, I wanna relate the blue this. milk.
1: The blue milk is a <laughs> yeah. <the> big thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: Meanwhile I'm on Facebook. Okay, oh well, hey who's, <laughs> whose fault is that that you're not a Star Wars
2: fan? Hey, you? look, you know just let's move on to the next I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm ashamed. I'm already ashamed. I'm already ashamed I'm gonna fan.
0: I'm gonna tie Star Wars into physical therapy right here right, right now. Do Dude, it. watch me do it. So as we're leading up to December, <laughs> apparently the Jedis must come to an end. That's what Luke says apparently. That's what Luke says. And because I've been so into the Star Wars as of lately, I've done a little bit of research in that. So we know there's there's uh, the Sith, which are the dark side, which are our former Jedis, some of them, that that tend to practice on the dark side. And then we have the light side, Jedis, Yoda and such, and Mace Windu, who may or may not be dead. And then we have those that that we may be, are getting hints hinted at through the trailers of the gray jedi. Yeah. That that tend to to practice from both world, both dark and light uh yeah. styles of of uh of using the force. So, I would like to make a comparison that the physio strength coach hybrid are the gray jedis in today's universe Mm -hmm. that are taking from both they're taking from both sides if we want to call the dark side the strength coach and training and the light maybe the the, don't
3: hurt anyone like the pain like
0: (laughs) yeah right the light side (laughs) that we 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 must use the force for quad sets and other therapeutic exercises (laughs) and the dark side is like deadlifts all the time are you listening yeah (laughs) disturb baby yeah,
1: I I love it. I I I love it. And and just I'll, I'll answer your question in a sec. But you know the the whole the strength rebels. You can imagine with my love of Star Wars where that name came from. Uh, right? I had a feeling. Yeah. So feeling. it I it, it. I mean it's it's you know for me I I looked at it in the reverse of what you've just said. I, I look I looked at it as the the dark side was the destructive. Uh, Power of not doing enough, (laughs) Uh which which doesn't totally fit, right? So actually, I like your analogy better. I I do like it. So, so I I think I might switch, but I can't change my name. Uh, Strength Rebels, Strength Jet, Gray Jedi. No, that wouldn't work. (laughs) Strength strength Sits. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but but no, I I think it's absolutely true because there's a there's a really big misconception in you know those of us that are doing strength work within physical therapy that it's it's like deadlifts all the time. It's squats all the time. You have to load, just load it, bro. Like, like all that stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I mean, there, there's some of that. Right. But I think the ones that are are doing it well are the ones that can bridge the uh, bridge, the two sides and, and really recognize that, you know, it, it's, it's like Luke is saying is that there really is, is no light and dark side and and it's the balance between them that is really the strength of, of the force. And, And that would be the strength of our profession in my opinion Boom is the ability to, to really understand good loading. But also to understand a person at the level of uh, the impairment and um, the level that we need to know we, we need to look at their their needs and their desires and their you know their wants as, as well as respecting pain and respecting the the process that they're, they're they're going through. And the middle ground is the place where we find the right level of Wording—it's the right level of loading, um, and it's the right framing of the way that they're moving. And I, I agree that you need both sides to make it work appropriately. So, so I think it's a fantastic analogy. I, it's beautiful. I can't believe I didn't come up with it. It's awesome.
0: May the force be with you, Scotty, <laughs>
1: and, and with you.
3: <laughs> this <is getting>
1: weird.
0: <laughs> it's beautiful.
3: Yeah. Totally beautiful. <laughs> Amir, do you have any other question that you want to sneak in there? Because I'm
2: I'm I'm about to go on a tangent. So, <laughs> well, you, you know, I'll let you go ahead and, and go on your tangent. Right. Uh, my question is is a little bit different, so I let you go. On <laughs> it's there. about Star Wars. <laughs> Come on. No, no,
3: no. no. Okay, no, no. so so let's. I'm veering it back to to getting off Star Wars. So you know, low back pain is is such a. a and this might be a tough question to answer, but low back pain is such a hot topic right there. and you know, you're the strength guy. How much, in your opinion, does strength play a role in low back pain? And if it does, what are what are the muscles that we really gotta go after and, and kinda how do you how do you envision getting them stronger? Like the multifidus and, and, and whatnot? Oh, uh. That is a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, um, as I, I was like, we fine. gotta make sure the air is clear. You're just this. you're just throwing out the hardest. It's like, questions. it's like how do you fix people? How do you yeah, save right. the world, Dr. Scotty? <laughs>
1: <Maybe. laughs> <laughs> I've already told you how I save the world, and it's 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 through developing strength. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing about low any any sort of pain and low back pain is it, it is not structural related. Um, Mm -hmm. We know pain is a perception pain is a neurophysiological and emotive process that that you can't address by saying, oh, we're just going to simply get a muscle stronger or get a tissue moving in a certain way or whatever. It's it it is not that simple and it never will be that simple. Um, Does that mean that strength does not have a role? Absolutely not. In my opinion, strength has has a big role. But the challenge is, is if you look, at, um, you look at the research on low back pain relative to changing tissue, it, you know, so, so say get, getting someone stronger or improving their trunk muscle endurance or something like that, although those type of activities tend to help people if you look at the correlations between change in endurance or change in strength of a particular muscle or muscle group with the change in their in their uh, their pain levels or their disability levels, it, it, it's almost no correlation. So the the change in pain and the perception of pain has absolutely nothing to do with whether they got stronger, whether they got more endurance, or even whether they moved well. So. So you you could take this, and I know a lot of people do, take this and say, it doesn't matter what we do. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if we strengthen them. It doesn't matter if we focus on transverse abdominis, multifidus. It doesn't matter if we do global-type stability stuff. It doesn't matter if we ignore stability stuff and do functional stuff. You'll hear all of those things out there. Um, I think... To, to say that, uh, um, where, where, and where I think strength plays a role, it again, comes down to functional capacity. So it's really back to the same thing. It's not necessarily going to have a direct impact on their pain, and it's not necessarily going to have a direct impact on their perception of disability, but where it will have an impact is on their performance of daily living and their mm. their capacity for doing things, which if you can develop that, increased performance and increased capacity as we know because we train that that has a very significant psychological effect and emotional effect on your perception of how easy life is and so I think if you pair good quality strength training where you do respect movement and you, and you do get people to move in a, in a specific way that's good for them and you also do the other things that will have a greater impact on their perceptions of pain and disability and worrying about really what's happening with the the emotional stuff around, around pain, that you, you marry that stuff together and that's where the big impact is. But if you ignore the strength stuff, um, again, you might get someone back to close to a previous level of function, but again, we're not optimizing.
2: Okay. It just made me think about a great quote that I heard from, I think, uh, Dr. Tim Flynn. And he said, you know, we're all neuro, pediatric, cardio, strength training, whatever, all the different pain science therapists, or at least that's what we should be. And that's exactly the way he said it. Um, yeah, so, all
0: together. Yeah.
2: Right. Right. So yeah. so it's it's cool to see that you've you got you, you to approach it one way, because I thought, Going into PT school, that I'm an orthopedic. I'm an orthopedic guy. I'm only going to deal with bones, muscles. I don't want to know anything about the brain, anything about cardio, whatever. And I'm sure a bunch of you know people feel this way. But once you get in there, uh, it's like you have to sort of kind of be uh, interested in in a little bit of everything, but then also being able to say, hey, this is my patient population. uh, But being able to mirror, you know, marinate and blend that into, uh, you know different types of fields and different types of interests that people might have. So pretty cool.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So I've got one more and then, and then I'm, (laughs) then you can just go ahead and knock me out. Um, (laughs) the, going a little bit more towards, so the research, and could you just spit off a few, um, big research topics that you feel like every, maybe even individual out there, but you know, for sure, students or practicing physical therapists need to know, say, Hey, the the research shows this, you guys need to know this, this kind of stuff. You have to at least know these concepts that we have scientists definitely proven to be fact, I don't know about factual, but you know, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, actually the answer is, is no, I couldn't. Um, and, and the reason is, is is not to be contrary, but you know, that I am anyway, but, um, (laughs) The, the big the point is okay. There's, there's lots of there's lots of stuff out there. So I mean, if you were to say, "Hey, what about in this area?" I could point you to a couple of articles that would kind of support where I think you should go. The the problem is is that, in in my opinion, I would be doing your listeners a disservice by listing off two or three you know big picture things because honestly, EBP doesn't work that way, right? EBP isn't about you know the one or two RCTs or systematic reviews or whatever that that point you in a certain direction. I think what that does is if you say, Hey, everybody needs to know this article. It, it's really holding the research to such a high standard and putting it up on such a high pedestal that it really doesn't belong. Um, research is informative and, but you can't look at single studies as being the be all and end all because even the best studies, even the ones that, that you know, you gave me this question ahead of time and I, you know, I came up with a, a list of a few, but um, you know, even the ones that I think are fantastic mm-hmm. are, they don't answer all the questions and there are, opposing views that, that aren't shown in that research because you change the context and things change completely. Yeah. So what I would say is is understand the role of research in your clinical practice and, and understand how to look at it and how to then apply it. So don't ignore it, but don't hide it, hold it on such a high pedestal that it, it dictates everything you do. Have it inform what you do. Do, right, and be open to to change your viewpoint if you do see something that is is contrary to what you've been doing. Hmm. So, so i'm sorry, I, I didn't answer the question, but I don't think it, I I
3: would like not to answer that question. Uh, so you're just making things so much harder. Just <laughs> yeah, you have to actually learn more and be able to apply. It's a, <laughs> you're looking for a quick fix. I just need the quick fix, I Just, got, just like on. a patient. You guys
1: are students. That's what you want. You want black and white. You want give me the right answer. Quit fucking telling me that everything is gray and that it depends because I don't want to hear it. But, yep. but you know what, that's life, right? Yeah. Yeah. And we we reference the
3: great oh man. golly.
2: The <laughs> great the the gray. Gray Jedi yes. again. Full circle. Jeez, totally. The Great Jedi why, would have been awesome.
0: This is why the Jedi's must end.
1: Yes. <laughs> that is the that is the thought. Yes.
2: So tell us a little bit about your research info uh, you can and, and, and how is it going and how far you are into the process yeah. Um, yeah, I can totally do
1: that. Uh, I, I'm happy to promote my own stuff. That's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, so I've got a, I've got a mixed bag of stuff that I've been doing. I actually started, uh, so I've been, I've been a professor for 10 years and, uh, I started in my, in my PhD work and, and in my early career work in looking at, um, uh, exercise limitations in patients with lung disease, so COPD patients and I did a little bit of work with firefighters. And when they wear the, the SCBAs that, uh, uh, that they wear and how that impacts their exercise performance. And what it led, what path it led me down is, is finding out, okay, so if you have a ventilatory limitation, how do you get around that with exercise? What do you need to know? And how do you train? And, you know, ventilatory limitations, as, as you guys have probably taken in, in your, in some of your pathology and your systems courses about, uh, you know, some, someone with COPD is there's nothing you're going to do to change the lung function. You can change the way they breathe maybe, but, um, ultimately their lung function is gonna decline, right? So it led yeah. me thinking, well, well what do you how do you get around that right like how do you actually improve how do people improve function and how does rehab actually impact function and so what it led me down the path of looking at is, well it's it's really musculature that that uh, um that have a big big impact on that and so that led me into the strength training stuff and so i i've then i've shifted a bit from from copd and lung disease specifically into general older adults but then even looking at uh, strength training methodology for for rehab and so um so i've got a, a few a few training uh, trials that have just been completed and then I've got a couple that are going to be coming up here uh, fairly quick on older adults training with barbells and and doing some high intensity interval work and things along those lines and um, I did a little bit of that a little bit of that with the COPD years as well and uh, and then also CrossFit and and some strength stuff so I've done a little bit of work on looking at uh, the the impact of having higher levels of muscle strength in, in CrossFit performance and and found some good associations between the level of strength someone has and their ability to to do a you know basic quad and and that and so it's, it's a bit more complex than that but but muscle strength is sort of the uh, uh, the combined uh, thread that that sort of ties everything that I'm doing together and, uh, I've also got a, um, I've got a couple projects that, uh, that are coming through, uh, a master student of mine, Corey Eadington. He's got, he's done some really fantastic biomechanics work. And, uh, so we've looked at a couple projects in, in deadlift setup as well as squat setup. And, um, so, so one of the, and the results will be coming fairly soon. So you guys will, you guys will, Have uh, um, I think you really enjoy those articles when they come out. But what we've looked at is we've looked at uh, so for the squat we've looked at the biomechanics of a high bar versus low bar, Mm -hmm. and and more specifically we're looking at the moments and shear and compression forces at uh, at the lumbar spine. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you know the thought being is that uh, you know when you go to a low bar squat your torso is more tilted and you get more hip flexion and you know if you have a limitation in hip flexion that should mean that you get sort of what we call the butt wink right where you have a posterior pelvic tilt and then mm. your spine goes into more flexion and and uh that's th- limited mo- mostly by the the hip range of motion and so the thought is is first of all a does that actually happen and and b does that in- increase the amount of shear and or compression force at the spine and and uh um without without i mean we're still working through the data so, so i can't really you know give too much detail but i think it's it's a lot less clear having seen the data now than then we would typically try and describe it right so um i, I think that there's, there's going to be some really cool stuff coming out of here to saying you know well actually butt wink doesn't matter and uh Ooh. you know and things like that so um so anyway yeah that i'm super excited to get some of that stuff out and then the same sort of thing with the deadlift is looking at um sort of the more only lifting uh deadlift position where you set the bar up on or your toes under or feet underneath the bar at closer to the MTPs versus the powerlifting deadlift where it's closer back to the navicular and the shin, yeah. which has a big impact on, on the relative difference in the knee and, and hip angle as well. So it's very similar to the whole uh, the whole uh, high bar, low bar stuff. And again, looking at the biomechanics at the lumbar spine for the same thing. And then we're finding basically the same kind of thing with the deadlift as well. So um, very, very cool stuff, which I think will have a really big impact on what we do um, clinically in, in, in making the assumptions that when we see something that it may not be doing what we think it's doing.
2: Mm, that's that's going to be awesome. See, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if uh, you do not mind when that drop, you mind sending that to us. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No. No.
1: I will absolutely. When I can share your something uh, yes. official, I will absolutely do so. I think that'd be. It's going to be one of those things that, like I said, is pretty eye opening, and and there were a lot of surprises for me. I I went into it. I mean, you, you try and stay unbiased, but you know you have your clinical opinions, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought we were going to find something completely different than what we found. So and and I think that that would be echoed in 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 what you hear a lot of strength coaches. And a lot of therapists say um, so. So I think it's going to make a lot of therapists very, very happy because it'll confirm some biases, but it's going to make a lot of them very upset because it'll refute some of them too.
0: What are What are Do you have any biases or biases in the past that you've had to struggle to get over, or that you're constantly
1: trying to reassess your thought processes about? Oh, totally. I mean, I'd be I'd be a terrible scientist if I if I <laughs> didn't, right? You know, if I if I had biases that that I basically stuck to. Um, there's been lots of things. I think this is the, the what I just talked about in the squats and the deadlifts and the lumbar positioning and that that's that's a huge one um, yeah. that uh, that that is uh, very relevant right now uh, and a huge one that uh, was like I said uh, um, very eye opening. I think one of the other ones is relative to the whole thing about core stability. Like I did my my master's degree on a core stability training um, this this was uh, the study was published 10 years ago now and uh what we did is we we did a lot of a lot of work on isolating trying to isolate transverse abdominis and multifidus and really emphasizing you know a, a strict neutral position and mm. that and you know, and and some stuff that came out of that was was more, and, and the assumptions that we made around that was well, that means that you you know what we found was basically that you should focus on doing those things because you'd have a greater impact. But um, I, I think there have been a lot of a lot of a lot of research that's come out since then that I've really changed my viewpoint in that, you know, there's probably not that much relevant to doing a lot of the isolated work unless for some reason you've got something really wonky. But it shouldn't be the go-to. Uh, in for most people right for most people should be able to, to Train appropriately without getting to that level and then the, the the small select few where you really need to do that Of course you can focus on that. So so I think that'd be the other real big one. Then I think the third one uh, would be around the role of aerobic exercise in uh, in in performance and in health and and I've kind of gone from the the traditional ACSM-type view that, hey, it's massively important, I went to the, hey, it's, you know, the complete pendulum swing the other way, saying, yeah, <laughs> there's no relevance to it, and right now, I'm somewhere in the middle, and, and I'd say that, um, you know, I think we do put an overemphasis on aerobic exercise, but I don't want to say, and I don't believe that it's not important, because I do think it's important. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
3: That's that's interesting to hear, yeah. Because yeah, boy, ACSM man, you're like five times a week, or five times a yeah, five times a week, yeah, hundred fifty minutes, hundred fifty uh, minutes. Like, uh, boy, you, you're right. Well, it
2: says vigorous or moderate intensities. So it doesn't actually say which one. I just
3: mm-hmm. You get you get two different you can do the vigorous okay. for like twenty minutes or you can do the right, right. for like whatever. But anyhow, the 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 point I was just saying is boy, they really do you're right, they push that aerobic super hard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: With such a with such a small emphasis on resistance training. It wasn't yeah. until the, not, not the most recent, the 2017 ACSM guidelines for exercise testing prescription. It was the one prior, which I think was 2014. Uh, that one actually started to put in an emphasis and actually a fit prescription for resistance training. But that was the first time in the history, you know, of 30, 40 years of the ACSM putting out these guidelines that they actually put concrete guidelines for resistance training. In. So it really has been an afterthought over time and, and uh, it shouldn't be. Um, in my opinion, it should be the other way around. We should have more of an emphasis on resistance training and low intensity physical activity as your aerobic stuff. The, where, where I, I still believe that the aerobic training side of things is actually, um, it's not important to train aerobically. You should exercise aerobically, but not necessarily wow. systematically train for endurance performance, which is what we're doing by following ACSM's guidelines. Right. Because you look at the progressions, right. Progressions are increase the speed, increase the duration. It's like training for a 10 K. Yep. And, and I, I don't think that that's the best thing that we, we should be doing for health. I think we need, we need low to moderate intensity over a longer period of time and supplement that with some high intensity stuff. So whether that's sprinting, whether it's resistance training high intensity or combinations of those, I mean that's where I would spend the bulk of our rehab and training time is on not the aerobic stuff. I mean that people can do the aerobic stuff on their own assuming that they're medically safe and healthy and and that kind of thing. But, you know, our rehab programs are what where we see our clients my opinion, you know, we tell them to do that stuff and that, and we tell them the importance of, you know, yeah, you get done your therapy or your training and don't go home and sit on the couch. I mean, that's important. That's an important message, but that we spend our time teaching them how to do this higher intensity, more, um, more skill intensive type activities like strength training and, and higher intensity intervals and that kind of thing. Um, that that's, that's again, a bit of a bias, but honestly, I think that that, that hits at everything. Thing that we need to hit at without having to push into the endurance training model
2: absolutely yeah i know the the, the fittest i guess you could say that i was is when i first well probably like six months into like crossfit and i was out there running like 10k is no problem and you best believe i wasn't running more than 10k a week mm-hmm. but i ran a 10k just you know just doing crossfit training and a little bit of both i guess you could say um so i guess that's where the pendulum pin the, the pendulum for me is like right there in the middle of a little bit of of both, or just a combination of both, more or less. So, but not say crossfit or anything is better than the other. It's just pretty cool to just just see that that I wasn't running 10ks to necessarily train for a 10k. It was, mm-hmm. it was it 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 was different, and it sort of kind of changed my thought process on that. Like oh oh this is this isn't bad at all. This isn't bad at all. Whereas you see some people that that train out you know rather it be aerobically your you know whatever and they'll try to pick up a bar and have difficulty doing it. So I mm-hmm. guess looking at it to see the resistance training basically leveling out to the aerobic whereas aerobic doesn't necessarily translate back into uh, anaerobic or resistance training.
1: That so. is that is the key point in my opinion is that right. you get the transfer from strength and higher intensity work into the aerobic realm, and you get aerobic changes um, at, even at the mitochondrial level, right to the functional level at, on the aerobic side by doing anaerobic work. But it doesn't go the other way. The, what, the only thing that aerobic training will do is is prevent some of the loss of muscle strength and uh, um, and power on the muscular side. But mm. but you know it, it's fairly clear that unless you're really sedentary, you don't see any meaningful increases in strength and power. Or with uh, or or muscle size with aerobic training—that's totally
3: true.
0: Absolutely, cool. so, that's that's pretty mind blowing.
3: Yeah, this is this uh, this is the first time I've been exposed to to um, that. Uh, you know, I've kind of you kind of feel it out in the world, right? You know, people, but I've never—I don't know if I've ever heard of anyone in higher education uh, putting their foot down and and making a direct kind of claim towards that way, which is super- I could.
2: Confer- Oh, sorry to cut you off, but I can send you some research that, uh, we got through, you know, just through my program that, that that basically says that as well. So if you want that, I can send that to you. Send it to me. Yes, sir. (laughs) There's
1: lots of good, there's lots of good stuff on that. And it's, uh, um, I I think, I think the, that, that concept is what's needed. You know, we talk about the paradigm shifting stuff and what, what will change practice. In my opinion, it's, it's understanding that, that, that people will kind of go, Oh, right you know and and the question that i always get asked is well it, i'm an endurance person or i i don't lift heavy through my daily life you know why do i ever need to lift heavy and and again it comes back to the same thing what you're doing is you're training multiple systems and you're building capacity
2: mm-hmm. yeah awesome yeah it was definitely mind-blowing to me uh i <laughs> it was my blowing and, and and then to try to flip it around the other way, so I say, you know, I'm going to back off from the resistance training and then try to do cardio. I can tell you right now my numbers went and They went down because I wasn't doing as much. I'm not going to, you know, pretend. But it was just sort of kind of cool to see within myself, just like an end of one. I'm not saying, you know, everyone get off of the resistance or stop cardio training and then go straight to resistance. It was just for, for me personally, it was cool to see that, you know what, I'm running kind of slower, but I'm supposed to be training this way. It was just kind of, it was just cool, and then the power and stuff like that went down just a tad bit. So it was, it was cool, good cool. stuff. Cool.
0: Yeah, I think you can, you can clearly, you can see that in a CrossFit class. You can kind of get the sense that, you know, after you finish a metcon, you know, you didn't go for a jog or perform any typical, stereotypical type of aerobic training, but the metcon you did with five rounds of. 15 sets, 15 reps of kettlebell swings and, and toes to bar and all that stuff. You definitely feel like that was aerobic as shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Exhausting. Yeah, right. Sure. And that's that. Haven't. I hope. I don't think it's any confirmation bias on my part right now, but mm-hmm. just looking at that, looking at how I felt from CrossFit classes and hearing, you know, Dr. Scotty saying, it's like, yeah, I can, I can kind of put that puzzle piece together and say, yeah, that, I, that feels appropriate. Mm. At least in my head mm-hmm. and and more beneficial cuz it at least as far as a time being the most time efficient we can be with people mm. it's like yeah let's get you in the gym do some high intensity interval training with weights instead of just focusing separating the two or just saying we need to expose you to more aerobic activity you know we can hit both nails on the head or kill kill two birds with one stone how about that
3: Without,
1: like, I'll, uh, I'll I'll send you guys a link to uh, to an article that I published in 2014 that looked at um, uh, hit training using a rower. So we did uh, w- one minute all out intervals, six reps and and uh, or six rounds of that. Um, we trained that three times a week for six uh, six weeks. Yeah, six weeks. And uh, so we compared that with what we termed multimodal high intensity, which is is CrossFit like, but it's done in an interval format, a, a defined interval. So we do the same interval, right, one minute all out. You know, three minutes off, and then repeat for the same number of rounds, same same time frame. Um, but it was using resistance exercise in in with the cardio stuff, right? Mm. And uh, that's exactly what we found. We found the HIT stuff improved the anaerobic performance and aerobic performance, and the multimodal HIT or the strength and HIT together did the same thing. But then they were the only. Only uh, out, of, out of the two groups, the only group that uh, increased their muscle strength and their power and that. So, so I'll, I'll hit you guys up with that that article too. Thank you, thank oh, you,
0: thank you. Appreciate
1: mm-hmm. that. Because we do see we have to pay for that on a
2: research gate. So, <laughs> 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 good point. Good yes. Point. So I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I man. totally forgot about that Come on, bad podcasting. <laughs>
0: You're dropping the ball. You don't know about Star Wars? You're forgetting questions. question? Yeah. yeah
2: uh, I just got a ring for it. We, we might have time for the most important question of them all then, that, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You're right. You know what? Yeah. It's time for that. So, oh, wow. Dr. Scotty, um, favorite segment of the episode that I believe is the most important segment of the episode, and that is the question, what is your favorite duck? And we have gotten some pretty cool, uh, que- you know, answers from this. So, uh, sh- fire away. Um, I'll, I'll be honest.
1: And uh, as much as I love listening to you guys, I don't ever stay for that question.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, so,
1: so I don't, I, I don't know what, what everybody else is saying. Um, good, good. now are we talking about actual ducks? Or are we talking about like e- mythical or character ducks? You can get one. anywhere you want. Okay. Bring out well, that mythical I- duck. Yeah, see, see. Well, that, I mean, if we're talking mythical duck, it's Howard the Duck, right? And uh, I, I really want to say Howard the Duck because he's a Marvel guy, and I'm such a such a huge Marvel fan. But oh my God, has Marvel ever dropped the ball on Howard the Duck? They, they've <laughs> like the stuff in guardians of the galaxy has just been brutal with, with, uh, with Howard the duck in there. So I, I I'm hesitant to say Howard the duck. Oh, wow. um, what I will say, and I'll be, this is a truthful answer, right? Not a funny answer. This is uh, I would say the mallard. And the reason I say mallard is that when I was growing up, um, I lived in BC for a very short period of time when my parents were, uh, were out there and um, I lived right close to um, right close to my grandpa who passed away when I was really young. And, my favorite memory of him is walking through the park and we were chasing the mallard ducks. And, and so that, that is my favorite duck for that reason. That's, that's
0: beautiful. That's nice. nice. I had to end
1: it with something sweet, right?
0: Yeah. That's, that's sweeter than Howard the duck. Yeah. That's that's an emotional
2: backstory. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also just self plugs in there, you know, where can people find you? Uh, I know we talked about strength rebels, uh, I see that you're all over Twitter, and and I love read re- your Twitter retweets on uh, Facebook. So just go ahead and fire away with those.
1: Yeah. So, um, strength rebels is strength underscore rebels and that's uh, Instagram as well as Twitter. But I'll be honest, we're, we're very inactive on Instagram. It's mostly Twitter. Um, you can find us on Facebook as well because everything goes through platforms and then you can find me directly. Um, I'm inked prof Scotty on Twitter and, um, also, uh, dr. Scotty butcher on Facebook.
0: Awesome. Sweet. Anything you want to plug anything?
1: No, I, I think I plugged it all. You guys, you guys have talked about uh, you talked about Star Wars, which was my big thing. So no, I'm I'm pretty cool.
0: <laughs> Star Wars, Metallica, yeah, not so much Drake. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> Disturb. Disturbed. Your favorite, yep. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Disturbed song?
1: Oh man. Okay, so I I didn't actually like that much Disturbed until I actually heard the Conan version of Sound of Silence, and um, so. <laughs> honestly it's it's that one it, okay. it has to be that one we might we might in the editing well, we, we might play that play that out you should yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like hello darkness mild friend like that's the oh, one man oh oh, I'll throw that right in there <laughs> oh yeah. wow and you wow. know what the recorded version is it's it's powerful but not as powerful as the live conan version so if you haven't seen that go on youtube it's it's amazing
0: okay do they do they do was it them they did down with the sickness
3: yes yes so,
0: yep. th- yes oh wow! <laughs> <laughs>
3: Always was like I wasn't sure about that one part of that song. He's like yelling at his mother about things. Is that what the song's about? Oh like, yeah. Like oh god, <laughs> oh sound of silence Conan version. I'm on it right now. Yeah, don't neglect it's, it. It's good. It's worth it. All right.
2: No, no idea. <laughs>
1: Land of confusion too. Land of confusion is a good cover of theirs that they did. I it, I I actually do like Phil Collins and Genesis and and uh, that was an awesome cover too. Awesome.
0: Well, on that note, thank
1: you so much, Dr. Scotty. Hey, thank you, boys. It's been awesome. You guys are great. I've learned so much about you. (laughs) (laughs) Too much. Way too much. That's the point of the
2: podcast. I agree. All right. Thank you,
0: Dr. Scotty. May the force be with all of you.
2: (laughs) Awesome, guys. Thanks. Great, Jedi.